Welcome to Soul Path Alignment, the podcast where we talk about all the mystical shit that gets us in touch with our higher self. I'm Tanya Stupar, and today we'll be wrapping up the Twin Flame series with the last of four total episodes. I feel I've saved the best for last, because today I'm going to talk about what Twin Flame teaches us about balancing our own personal masculine and feminine energies. To me, this is the pinnacle of what Twin Flame teaches us. As I've mentioned in other episodes, humanity is moving into a new paradigm for relationships in the age of Aquarius. There's going to be a new and improved template for relationships, and learning the healthy forms of masculinity and femininity is going to be the essential primary playbook for learning this new template. So I want to start by explaining that masculine and feminine energy is not necessarily associated with either gender. I won't be referring to physical gender today. As a matter of fact, we all have both genders inside of us because we all have a left brain and a right brain. We are dual natured beings. And one of the big fat problems since the beginning of recorded history is how societies keep trying to achieve balance between masculine and feminine through rigid gender roles. This is totally ridiculous because all of us need to sometimes be in our masculine or feminine energies. No one stays strictly in either one at all times. Impossible. And the second part to the problem is that humanity's ideas around what it means to be in a good feminine or masculine energy are really messed up. And the reason why is because of the dominant authoritarian power structures that have been in place and that reward people for being in a warped masculine energy. This is like how people can build up the most power for themselves by being controlling and abusive and exploiting others. Our system rewards people who are selfish and have superficial values rather than the people who would use their power to create abundance and security for all of humanity instead. So this isn't as simple as staying in line with your own biological gender or even just one opposite gender for that matter. The answer for the coming age is for all of us to learn the difference between the healthy versus dysfunctional versions of both masculinity and femininity, and also to learn how to choose the healthy versions inside of ourself. Now, twin flame people have done more to bring this concept of a balanced masculine and feminine into conscious awareness than anyone else I'm aware of. Because it's like with everything else on the twin flame journey, they come to understand that if they want to find peace, they have to find energetic balance on all levels. There's no other way. So I'm going to be explaining the masculine and feminine qualities in their good and bad forms. In New Age speak, it's usually referred to as the divine versus the wounded form. So for example, the healthy feminine is called divine feminine since it's describing the divine energy template and the dysfunctional form is called the wounded feminine as opposed to if we were to use a more critical word like toxic. And that's just to acknowledge that when people are acting out in these unhealthy ways, it's coming from a place of wounding. 
The toxic forms are like a trauma response, and we have the power to consciously interrupt that cycle of abuse, to pick a better behavior, and create some new patterns that change the wounded forms into divine. I'm going to start out now by comparing divine feminine to divine masculine. For every feminine quality that I list, I'm going to also name its masculine opposite so that we can get a good picture of what's going on here. I think you'll find that these are things we all know instinctively, but we just don't usually talk about it in this way. Divine feminine is intuitive and emotional. It's connected to feelings. It's softness, gentleness, and soul. Whereas divine masculine is logical and analytical. It's strong and aggressive. It's physical form. Divine feminine is a receptive energy or the negative charge and divine masculine is giving or the positive charge. One wants to receive, the other wants to give. And where the masculine is service-oriented, the feminine is trusting. But the divine feminine is also wise and knows where to set boundaries and shut the gates. It only lets the good in. And the divine masculine is connected to its greater purpose in the world, which is how they were meant to love and serve humanity. So it's not forcing itself where it's not wanted. And that's how we can see healthy boundaries happening between the masculine and the feminine. And the feminine is embodied and connected to source. It just knows. It's taking it all in to see the bigger picture. And it knows how to work with intuition in order to allow things to happen and just unfold. Whereas the masculine is disconnected from emotions and things that make us vulnerable. It knows self-control, stoicism, and rigidity instead. And this emotional distance is allowing the masculine to be objective and face dangerous conditions. It's allowing for quick thinking and being able to take action. You can really see this quality in people like first responders and nurses who are able to keep a cool head in an emergency and do what needs to be done. The feminine nourishes and coaxes things along towards recovery or else expansion and growth, whereas the masculine is more like the hard-ass energy that knows how to embrace discipline, pain, and deprivation in order to avoid excess and become strong. So this is like when you get sick and you put your routine aside and focus more on rest for a while so that you can recover versus buckling down, getting back into a schedule and doing hard things like strength training or fasting, things that challenge your body to stay fit and healthy. And this is a really good example of where we can see that we all need to be able to do both in order to stay healthy. The feminine is imaginative and sees beyond and speaks in the language of dreams, fantasy, and symbols, whereas the masculine is dealing with whatever can be sensed in the material world with the five senses. Whatever is right in front of your nose, and it speaks the language of data and statistics. Since the feminine is connected to intuition and the plan of the higher self, it's the guide. It knows the way to go. You could imagine the feminine like an archway or a gate, or like a neon sign that says, go here. 
And divine masculine goes through it to build the creative vision of the feminine or to anchor the vision into physical reality. And I believe this is how the feminine is really the leading energy and why dominant feminine types are having to do their inner work first. Feminine energy is slow and patient. It's surrendering to the process and just letting it happen. Whereas masculine energy is quick and action-oriented, structured, regimented, and disciplined. The feminine is expressive, whereas the masculine is more results-driven. It wants to produce something tangible. And if you think about the feminine arts, things like dance, poetry, painting, music, and singing, you can really see what I'm talking about here. These are all expressions of a person's inner world of feelings and ideas, whereas the creative arenas that use more masculine ways of thinking are things like engineering and math that are geared towards building useful objects and operating systems. Feminine energy tends to be more cooperative and compliant, whereas masculine energy is more competitive and assertive. The feminine is compassionate and heart-centered and trusts in the divine plan and timing because it knows how to get out of ego so that it can be guided by the inner voice. It doesn't need any outside validation to be able to trust its own intuition. And this is allowing it to have that go with the flow kind of energy, whereas the masculine is more grounded and present because it's relying on the thinking mind to create solutions and solve problems. It doesn't run away from problems because it's not afraid. It confronts them head on and doesn't waffle about decision making. It has calculated the risks and it's sure of itself. The feminine is cyclical and rhythmic, like the seasons, or like waves, or the movements of all the heavenly bodies, whereas the masculine is like a straight line, like an efficient railroad track. And the feminine is wild and deep, like the ocean or a storm. It's flowing and fluid like a river. It can't be contained whereas masculine energy is directed and solid. It's tangible form, like a spear. And maybe you're noticing at this point where feminine is more connected to whatever is natural, whereas masculine is more connected to the man-made material world. The feminine promotes evolution and growth, transformation, change, and continuous development whereas the masculine promotes foundations and traditions. It wants to respect whatever has worked in the past and keep it that way. The feminine provides nurturing and care, whereas the masculine provides resources and protection unconditionally and selflessly. But along the same lines, divine feminine can also choose to destroy. This is like any wild destructive force that we see in nature, like a volcanic eruption or a flash flood that redirects old water pathways. And don't make the mistake of assuming that this destructive energy is wounded feminine because it's not. It's what we might call the dark feminine. The dark being whatever is divine, but also makes people feel uncomfortable. 
This is also like how a divine masculine protects and people can be uncomfortable with that fighting energy. But it's like the saying goes, pacifism is just deferred violence. Destruction and force are sometimes required when you're living in duality. And feminine destruction serves a good purpose because it clears whatever is not sacred and in alignment with our highest good. So Divine Masculine plants a seed and sort of provides that initial creative impetus, but the feminine decides what it's going to nurture and what it's going to destroy. And a really great example of how we see this energy in women is with PMS. The way we make fun of women and shame them about PMS is the dark feminine getting scapegoated. What's really happening with PMS is the part of their cycle where it's becoming clear to them what needs to be cut off and what needs to go. I think we're really seeing this backwards sometimes because instead of having gratitude for the times when the feminine becomes vulnerable and puts everything she has into giving to others and nurturing things into existence, we point a finger at the smaller amount of time when she's culling whatever needs to go. So if we can reframe that energy as the dark feminine, then we can start respecting it and understand how to take advantage of it as the opportunity to really feel into whatever isn't serving us anymore and get rid of it instead of just moving into wounded energies there. Divine Feminine is the healer archetype, the midwife, the doula, the wild crafter, the energy healer, the kitchen witch, the masseuse that heals with touch, the medicine woman who brings back the cure from the dream world, whereas the masculine is the builder archetype, the architect of the material world. It's also the warrior archetype, the fighter, but the feminine uses its intuitive knowledge and caring to mend what's broken, walk with people through transitions, and diligently nurse things back to life. Okay, so also Divine Feminine, knowing that all of its needs will be met, is a very trusting and grateful energy. Whereas the Divine Masculine, knowing that it's abundant and capable, is a very self-secure, confident leader type of energy, but still humble. And the feminine is related to the upper three chakras of communication, expression, intuition, and mindful self-awareness so that it can see beyond the illusion and superficial appearances. And then it can guide the masculine towards a worthy purpose, Whereas the masculine is related to the lower three chakras of ego, survival, self-worth, and inner power that allow it to build security and wealth in the material realm so that it can provide for itself, for its family, and for the community. And divine feminine values itself. It knows its value, invests in its value, and loves itself. It doesn't worry about what other people think. It doesn't need outside validation. It knows its inner worth and how to embody the very best version of itself to become something that the masculine is attracted to. 
And I'm not talking about youthfulness or physical form here. Anyone can embody the divine feminine at any age and regardless of whatever we consider to be physically attractive. Alternatively, the divine masculine wants to know that when they put their efforts towards something, it's going to count. They don't want to just waste their energy, like how you don't build your house on the sand where it's not going to last. So divine masculine really needs the feminine to value itself so that it's not just running around in circles or spinning its wheels feeling pointless. And lastly, divine feminine is a whore. And I don't mean the scapegoated slut archetype that we've all been brainwashed into imagining whenever we hear the word whore. We tend to think of someone who's not having good boundaries because they're desperate and they don't value themselves. And in order to get us thinking objectively about this concept, I have a little challenge for us all. I challenge you to think of a word that means something good about a woman who is provocative and secure in her sexuality. She's displaying her sexuality so that she becomes this feminine object of desire for the masculine. She's owning that power. She gets to decide who comes in the gate and all the terms around it. Because I don't think this word exists. There's no word to describe the divine whore archetype. All we have are words that scapegoat and demean feminine sexual autonomy and freedom. Imagine being able to shame women out of all that power is probably the world's biggest psyop. So I would just ask that you put aside your preconceptions around the word whore and what it means for a woman to really be allowed to have complete ownership over her sexual power and just consider for a moment that it might be possible for the divine feminine to be a whore and for the divine masculine to have a desire, a need to pay it forward to that energy. And just how limited we are in the ways that we're allowed to express this exchange in our society. To me, what's missing is the feminine archetype that is so strong and it's seductive, beautiful, confident, bewitching, Matahari-like power that is really able to be a match to the emperor or divine king archetype. The world just hasn't seen it yet because feminine sexuality has been so repressed and really not allowed to express itself without being shamed. So now that we have these polarities fresh in our mind, what I want to emphasize and remind us is that what we're going for here is a personal internal balance between the healthy forms for each one of us. Consider how when you're able to balance your activity with both structure and creativity, that's like what we call the flow state where you get into a groove and time just seems to fly by and you're at your most productive. That's divine masculine and feminine cooperating on the internal level. It's also how some of our greatest scientists made their discoveries because of having a balanced sense of masculine and feminine. These were visionaries who understood how to get out of a purely masculine 
way of thinking and into the creative feminine. Newton said, I do not know what I may appear to the world, but to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself and now and then finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than ordinary, whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. And Einstein said, I never made one of my discoveries through the process of rational thinking. And this is not because they were staying strictly in either modality. It's because they were able to find flow and balance between logical and imaginative ways of thinking. They actually did a study on Einstein's brain recently. So this is a classic example of how the masculine wants to figure everything out by quantifying and measuring it. But Einstein's brain was preserved, sliced, and encased in slides and photographed by the person who did the autopsy after his death. So what they found in this study is that Einstein's left and right brain were unusually well connected. Specifically, his corpus callosum, the bundle of nerves that connects the right and left hemispheres, was found to be thicker in many subregions compared to both younger and older control groups. In other words, the study seems to indicate it wasn't that his genius was contained in any particular region of the brain, but that he had good flow between the masculine and feminine parts of his brain. So what I'm trying to encourage us all towards with this story is finding the same kind of respect and connection and balance between the masculine and feminine in all areas of life, rather than imagining that we only need to learn the lessons of divine versus wounded forms of just one particular gender. So the first part of understanding the wounded masculine and feminine is to explain the core wounding that's behind all of it. The feminine's core wounding is around abandonment, and the masculine's core wounding is around worthiness. So if you consider that the function of the feminine is to receive, then when there's nothing there, it really creates a void and lack and suffering. The classic examples are like the single mom and kids who have a deadbeat dad, or the middle-aged woman whose husband leaves her for someone younger. Being abandoned really cuts a feminine to the core and brings up all the worst pain of loneliness and lack. Whereas for the masculine and its function being to give, you can see how worthiness plays into it. What if you're not good enough and no one wants what you have to give? What if you're a failure? What if you're unable to provide enough? What if you have personal problems like addiction or depression and you can't shake it? And then you can't even provide security to yourself, let alone to anyone else. So the feminine wants to know for sure, without a doubt, that she will be secure and be able to count on the masculine. And what the masculine wants really bad, more than anything else, is to know that he can be trusted to deliver. And what happens with all this core wounding is that the pain from not getting these things causes people to fall into bad energies. We're all made out of energy, 
Everything in the entire universe is made out of energy. These energies matter. And when we get stuck in the energies of fear and longing, which is really the common pain here, like if we can distill the core wounding of abandonment and unworthiness down to something even more universal, it would be fear and longing. And those energies are out of alignment with the source frequency of our true divinity, which is trust and gratitude, feeling abundance, knowing that you're enough and you have everything you need, embodying peace and bliss. So if we can see where our pain is coming from, then we can be more objective and intentional about how we're reacting to it. And keep in mind, we all need to learn the divine forms of both masculine and feminine energies. We all have wounding around both. And although I'd like to be able to give people a fairy tale version of the solution where someone else comes in to heal all of your wounding and trauma for you, it just isn't reality. The answer for every single one of us is that we need to pay careful attention to the opposite gender of energy that we're used to being in. We need to pay attention to both, but here's what I mean. If you happen to be a dominant feminine person and your core wounding is around abandonment, your big lesson is going to be to learn how to embody the divine masculine so that you can provide it to yourself and heal your abandonment trauma. Likewise, the big lesson for masculine types is to show up for their own inner feminine that has been abandoned and stop looking for it in superficial, wounded ways from the outside. And what I'm hoping we can all see from talking about it in this way is how masculine feminine energy work is going to cause us to finally value intuition at an equal level to masculine ways of thinking. And I want to share a dream image that I had one time about divine masculine in order to illustrate this. I was in a boat in the kingdom of the masculine, but it was dark everywhere. It was like a fucked up Asgard or Camelot with bad dragons. And it was like a black lake that had patches of burning fire. And there were nasty sirens or like watery swamp ghouls who might pull you in and just all kinds of danger. And there was an old, sour, dour, bearded king who lived in the castle. And the princess of the kingdom had died some years before. She was laid out in front of the castle as if she had been embalmed or kind of like Snow White when she's in the glass coffin. And she looks beautiful even though she's dead because she wasn't really dead. And she was just laid out on the grass with all of these carefully arranged flowers all around her. It kind of reminded me of the entrance to Disneyland, how the flowers are manicured into designs, or like a Norse maiden with a really spectacular flower crown. It was like a funeral display or shrine. And keep in mind, the king hadn't buried her after all these years, she was in a place of prominence, but there was clearly something wrong with the kingdom because she was dead and he was in a constant state of distraction and grieving, like the place had a curse on it and nothing was able to thrive because he wasn't attending to things properly anymore. 
And to me, this is like the inner feminine of the collective divine masculine. It's there. It's waiting to be revived. They might think there's nothing they can do except grieve, like that king. But really, they have all the power to rescue and revive the inner feminine. And I have faith that people will do this, that they do care even now, just like the king who refuses to bury the princess. He's not giving up. He's not burying her. And yet the solution is his to accomplish. And it just hasn't happened yet. And it's the same with the divine feminine collective that need to get in touch with their own inner knight. So let's get into the wounded forms now. This list won't be all inclusive, and I challenge you to come up with more examples of your own as you go forward integrating all this information. The simple way to figure it out is just to look at the core wounding and ask yourself, how does a person act when they're in fear energy or longing instead of having trust and gratitude in the plan of their higher self? And that's going to be all the wounded forms of masculine and feminine. So I'm going to start with the wounded feminine. The wounded feminine is impatient, suspicious, and distrustful. It doesn't believe that good things are coming its way. And it's needy, clingy, and desperate. Wounded feminine is jealous, insecure, and competitive, and doesn't know how to value itself just for itself, independent of comparison. Wounded feminine feels incompetent in its own ability beyond whatever is superficial, like looks. It wants to be the arm candy or the trophy wife, receiving its sense of value from someone else's accomplishments. It wants to be patronized and dependent and get its sense of value from outside of itself. Wounded feminine is emotionally out of control. It's carried away by negative feelings and emotions like depression and anxiety. And because of that, it's refusing to nurture what should be nurtured. And it can be wrapped up in this out-of-control emotional pain and become neglectful and even cruel in dishing out this pain to everyone around it instead of providing the care. Like, it stops providing nurture because it's not embodying receptive abundance for itself. And another result of wounded feminine being out of control emotionally and being disembodied is that it can't be in touch with intuition in a useful way. Wounded feminine intuition is confused and doesn't know how to read it right, or else it can be delusional, twisting the messages into a fake fantasy as a kind of escapism. It can even be fearful of its own intuitive ability because if you're not in control of yourself in waking life or physical reality, then you will also be overcome in the collective unconscious. You really have to have a high level of self-awareness and accountability and commitment to your own growth in life if you want to be able to tell where other energies end and you begin in the collective unconscious. A lot of people with psychic abilities are afraid of outside entities controlling them in the dream space or even in life. Things like demonic spirits or aliens 
or even just other people who wish them harm? And the answer there is always to simply focus on yourself and do your inner work. So wounded feminine is ultimately misled by intuition or else completely out of touch with it and not trusting, respecting, or believing in her own intuitive abilities. Wounded feminine hates sexuality or has hangups. It feels betrayed and threatened by it. Either that or else wounded feminine can be needy and having really poor boundaries sexually and in other areas too. It lets anything in because of the neediness. And wounded feminine has a real lack mentality and poverty mindset that feels unsafe and uncared for in the world. Wounded feminine is manipulative and changes its behavior in order to control an outcome. This is like guilt trips or else people pleasing or any fake behaviors to try and make people like you. It's not being true to yourself. It controls by giving too much and being the doormat or the one who's always going to eat dirt to make peace. It's all tied to the fear of abandonment and not being loved. Ultimately, she sacrifices following her own true self, her own internal North Star, in order to try and please others and to keep herself safe from the wounded masculine. And you'll see why in a minute as I get to that. But lastly, Wounded Feminine has problems with the throat chakra of expression and voice. So she either will have kept herself quiet in order to stay safe or keep peace. And this is the great tragedy of the Wounded Feminine because the world misses out. It's like what we call the witch wound, where the intuitive voice has been silenced so that it's not allowed to be the oracle to the world and give that divine guidance that the masculine needs in order to build worthy structures. This is like the authoritarian religions that tell their followers that the intuitive arts like tarot and astrology and channeling information all comes from the devil and it's a sin and they've done actual witch burning. So the feminine has literally been forced into this wounded form. It hasn't always gone willingly. It's been told, you need to shut up. You don't get to say that. And this way of thinking that castigates and shames intuition is still alive and well. You can see it in how people don't have a lot of respect for dreams or psychic ability. And just one example of this is how modern psychology looks at dreams like it's just a biological function of the brain to process info, whereas indigenous people have understood dreams to be our best connection to the soul and the greater non-physical reality or the astral realms. We can also see the silencing of intuition in how the role of the feminine has been downgraded to either a sex object or something like a domestic slave. Neither one is rewarded for speaking their own internal truth or their pain or anything like personal dream visions that are separate from patriarchal religious narratives. So either that 
or else the wounded feminine becomes like the person who nags or else bitches, whines, and complains to express their suffering in a way that's ultimately disempowering and really just allows them to be scapegoated even further. Wounded feminine is kind of shameless here and wants to throw a big pity party for itself. It doesn't mind being seen as weak and tries to get everyone to feel sorry for them rather than moving to their own locus of control. And now moving on to the wounded masculine, it reacts badly to other people's no. It's insistent and it can't take no for an answer. It will control through force and have a disrespect for individual autonomy and freedom. And a big way that it will control is by putting conditions on who it will give to and how much it will give. If you remember, Divine Masculine is supposed to protect and provide and give unconditionally. So Wounded Masculine puts conditions on it all to control people. And it's also super punitive. It wants to punish in order to control. It can be overly aggressive and angry. And this is no joke because it ranges everywhere from child abuse to authoritarian legal systems, locking people up, destroying their lives, or killing them. Some of the most horrific things we've seen throughout history, like the Holocaust or the gulags of Soviet Russia or the barbaric way that the French Revolution was accomplished. And here we can really see why the feminine is required to remain silent and hide itself sometimes. And wounded masculine is overly critical. So there's a difference between having a constructive criticism and being critical, just like there's a difference between making a judgment about something, which we're all required to do sometimes, and being judgmental. Wounded masculine operates from a place of severe criticism and judgment instead of patience and acceptance and a feeling of enoughness, even if things aren't perfect. Wounded masculine demands perfection. And wounded masculine is trapped in the ego mind or thoughts and unable to get perspective from emotions. They'll overanalyze things and lock themselves in a prison of thought. It's unaffected when it's inappropriate. And this will lead to cruelty and projection and really just being butthurt and blaming their problems on everyone else. The wounded masculine will even get completely distracted by ego, abandoning the feminine and chasing after superficial things, superficial ways of feeling good or getting back to emotional center, addictive pleasures like gambling and sex addiction, things that give a quick and easy feeling of accomplishment. It wants to give and be received at the same time as staying emotionally detached. And it's really not brave at all, even though it wants to be seen as brave, because it lives in fear of feelings and emotions and structures its entire life around avoiding and compartmentalizing them. 
And Wounded Masculine wants to be catered to like a spoiled brat, and it demands ego worship. It will demand preferential treatment and force other people to serve its own needs instead of providing selflessly for loved ones and community. It's greedy and wants to pile up all the resources for itself instead of providing for others. And this is all in an attempt by the masculine to fill that worthiness hole inside of itself in superficial ways instead of finding the real solution to worthiness, which is to get in touch with feminine intuition so that he can be guided to his life purpose that will actually fill his bucket with no holes in the bottom of it. And part of this desire for ego worship is that wounded masculine will find partners who are willing to cater to his ego and manipulate this part of him that craves to be viewed as more worthy than he has actually become on the soul level. This is like the classic story of King Lear, where he rewards the two daughters who lie to him and flatter him, and then punishes his daughter Cordelia, who tells him the truth because she refuses to be fake in her virtuous fidelity to him, and it doesn't end well for him. She ends up dead, and he ends up dead from remorse. So basically, the wounded masculine wants people to lie to him in order to reflect back a fake worthiness, and he will surround himself by psychophants and groupies who are willing to do it. Wounded masculine doesn't have relationships. It just has arrangements instead where people use each other. And ironically, he ends up surrounding himself with the opposite of what he really wants. He wants to feel like he's the shit, but he surrounds himself with people who have contempt for him and think he's a fool because all he's letting in are the ones who are willing to lie in order to get what they want, and no one who really loves him, because in their honesty, they would reflect his inner work back to him that he's trying to avoid. And Wounded Masculine is not confident in itself or in its sexuality. It's fearful of not being good enough. It has a really fragile ego. And because of that is ungrounded, unsteady, and unsure of what it needs to do in life. Or it can go in the other direction and overshoot its shot and make costly errors because of not being able to be objective about its own weaknesses, or it's just unwilling in its arrogance to consider the other viewpoints. And Wounded Masculine, since it doesn't respect the feminine or defend intuition, it just blindly follows the world and old dysfunctional patterns. When it gives in to superficial forms of gratification, like addictions, it loses itself to that. It loses its courage and self-will and gets disconnected from its own purpose. It ends up becoming just a worker bee slave to other people's interests. And lastly, wounded masculine lies about their own sexual shadow their own out-of-control sex addiction, and then demands that women cover up their bodies instead. 
It wants to suppress the seductive feminine instead of facing their own superficial sexuality and getting control of it, which is where the problem really exists in their own inner self. So basically, Wounded Masculine wants to scapegoat the divine whore archetype, or else it wants to control the needy, desperate type of whore for purposes of just base self-gratification. A lot of the Wounded Masculine can be distilled down to the ego, just me, 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 and no life purpose to tether the soul to anything of real value. It can seem like the masculine is the bad guy here, and maybe it is, but I would encourage us all to remember that these energies are playing out on the internal level for all of us. We all have an internal animus, men and women both, so if the masculine has been this problematic, superficial, controlling version, then that's the collective zeitgeist, and we all have our own healing work to do around that. Take the woman from my earlier example, the one who was discarded by her husband for the younger model. I want to ask us all to consider, how does her own internal masculine treat herself? The part of her that has a responsibility to herself to be worthy and competent and to love and give to herself unconditionally, no matter how old she gets, no matter how many wrinkles, and how much greater is our own responsibility to ourself? How could we expect anyone else to love us unconditionally if we have self-loathing and abandon ourselves? If we can't love ourselves first, then we'll always be in a bad relationship with someone ourself, no matter how much anyone else loves us. And if we really love ourselves, then we couldn't possibly be abandoned ever. So the problem is a human problem, that people in general have not respected their own intuition, but have placed the feminine instead in superficial roles that don't value their true gifts of second sight and healing. You might say that we all have a dead princess inside of us, and she'll be revived when we start to listen to our dreams and other psychic intuitive abilities and to respect them and speak their truths boldly to the world and to really value ourselves for having them. And if there's one thing that I hope you'll remember about this series, the thing I hope most of all that you'll take with you it's that we all have an obligation to ourself first to be whatever it is that we're seeking so that we can hold the new energetic template for unconditional love that will be required of us in the new earth. We have to be able to give ourselves that opposite gendered energy that we're looking for because as long as we can't do that, our love and relationships will continue to be needy and dependent. As long as we don't know how to carry the frequency of unconditional love inside of our being, then we'll continue to attract conditional love in all of our relationships. If there's one way that you could always tell how to love yourself more, like a good litmus test, just ask yourself what it is that you want so badly from another person in a relationship and then understand that it's your job to give that thing to yourself 
so that you will then be free to give to another person unconditionally. So I want to end the podcast by sharing a dream I had that really hit home for me with this lesson of doing our own inner work. In this dream, my twin flame person was across some kind of divide from me. We were separated, like in real life, and the dream was showing me that he couldn't come across that divide because he had needs. Real needs. That's what the dream called it. Needs. I had needs too, and my needs were making it hard for me to manifest, even though I knew how to manifest really good at this point in my life. Specifically, I was having trouble manifesting because how do you make yourself feel good about something when that thing is also causing you your greatest sadness in life? Then you have to practice non-attachment and then you can't manifest because you don't care, right? Non-attachment says, just let it all go. Don't give a shit. And that's the catch 22 about manifesting sometimes. So I was really feeling stuck and in pain in this dream. But I had this moment of total understanding in the dream that the reason why he couldn't come across that line and he couldn't meet my real needs was because he had experienced the same exact pain that I was feeling. The abandonment pain that was making me not be able to feel good so that I could manifest. So his needs that made him not be able to cross the divide and come over to me were the same as my abandonment wounding that was caused by him. I didn't cause his wounds, but they came from somewhere because like I've said, we all have an inner feminine and the dream just showed it to me so clearly that it was a continuous cycle of pain and of needs not being met And there would be no end to it unless I decided to meet my own needs. Well, I didn't like that answer when I had the dream, and it took me a while to finally figure out the problem of the manifesting. If you can get to that place of unconditional love for yourself, then it allows you to hold the energy of feeling love for another person without needing anything from them And then you don't have to practice non-attachment. You can simply enjoy that they exist and how special that is that you could even just behold another person and love them at all. And that's how I want to encourage everyone that it is possible to get to this place of just feeling good about love because that love is the truth of who we are in spirit. And we don't need anyone else to give it to us. And then we never need to be stuck in the feeling of separateness or abandonment or like we're not good enough. We are loving awareness. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. That's it for the Twin Flame series. And I want to end by pointing you in the direction of Laura Grant. She's an amazing feminine masculine energy teacher. So if you want to get further into the subject, I highly recommend her work. She's been one of my mentors on the subject, and it's her niche specialty. Her website is called The Woken Mind, and you can also find her on Instagram and Twitter, where she posts her wisdom regularly, so you can learn a lot just by following her for free. 
I hope you'll join us here again next time and I'm sending blessings your way.